Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And we're back. It's Saturday afternoon. We just watched part 17 of 18 parts. We're so close to the end. How are you, Michael? Good. I don't know, if, I don't know about this energy I'm bringing, but that's okay. So today... I have a nice glass of Blushing Bear wine uh-huh. from pursued by wine uh-huh. hashtag pursued by wine hashtag uh, sponsor us please Kyle. pursued by bear and it's delicious mm-hmm. and i'm gonna drink it okay i want to be clear neither of us has had a sip of wine we're just weird cheers baby <laughs> i hope you guys heard the fully work that Mikey did. He kind of, it doesn't matter. Um, just really wanted to, boy, oh boy, I'm going to cut all of this out. All right, are you... That's what you think. <laughs> are you ready to get started? I suppose. Okay. So, we start in Buckhorn. Mm-hmm. Classic Twin Peaks location, Buckhorn. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Gordon, Albert, Tammy. And, and worth noting, too, this is, yes, part 17, but like the premiere, this was part one of a two-part finale like mm-hmm. these aired part Back 17 to and 18 together we're only doing 17 today but um they aired you know together back to back so, so it's yeah. essentially a two-hour movie yeah um but we start in buckhorn with uh gordon albert tammy the last time we saw them we had the whole Diane is a tulpa thing, and they shot her. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, we go to them drinking wine and toasting to the bureau. Did they toast to the bureau? I don't remember this, that. I remember yeah, they're, they kind they're of drinking to the wine. But he um, talks. It's it's. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Albert talking to Cole about like, er, you know, Cole saying how I I couldn't draw. Yeah, he couldn't I was for, too slow. Like, yeah. you got like. You beat me to this. Mm-hmm. I don't remember them toasting the bureau, but whatever. Um, Gordon then re- reveals a secret that he's kept for 25 years. So the, here's what this is interesting because it's this whole show has been this slow burn, like build up the mystery is like, I don't even necessarily know what the the mystery is. You know what I mean? There's no mystery at the heart of this series. The way there was, you know, who killed Laura Palmer. Right. Like, it's, it's more of a, what the fuck's going yeah, on? Yeah, what's, and and you're, go, you're coming into this episode knowing this is part one of the two-part finale. Mm-hmm. They're going to wrap up everything in the next two hours. Mm-hmm. How? Yeah. There's so much open shit. Mm-hmm. How are they going to wrap this up? Oh, Gordon Cole is going to give a giant exposition <laughs> dump directly from the mouth of David Lynch for the first 10 minutes of this episode. And you're like, oh, that's how they wrap up all that shit. That's how, ever, that's how Cole and like the whole Blue Rose Task Force figures everything out. Oh, Albert already knows it and he's just going to tell you. Albert or Cole? Or Cole, Cole already knows it and he's just going to tell you now. It's insane. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot. So... Before Major Briggs' disappearance, he told Gordon Cole and Cooper that he discovered an entity named Jowde, which mm-hmm. over time became Judy. Can you explain the significance of Judy? I don't know what they're talking about. Judy. They said Judy as if they definitely thought I would recognize it, and I did not. <laughs> Judy is what um, um, 
the, the first we hear of Judy is from Fire Walk With Me when Philip Jeffries walks in. Who do you think that is there? And he's pointing at Cooper mm-hmm. and says, "I we're not going to talk about Judy. In fact, we're not going to talk about Judy at all. Okay. And that's the first reference we get. And then um, that's what when Cooper, Mr. C, the evil Cooper, mm-hmm. whatever, is talking to Philip Jeffrey's teapot in this episode, <laughs> or not in this episode, but in this series, he mentions like, Where's Judy? How do I find Judy? I'm looking for Judy. And he and Philip Jeffries essentially says, you already know Judy. Hmm. Um, so I think you can safely say what Mr. C has been looking for this time, this entire time is Judy. Okay. And if Judy is this evil entity, Day, that's what Mr. C is looking for. So there's an additional entity. This is separate from Bob. Or is right. it of a piece? Eh, we don't, I guess, really know. Okay. But Judy is, It's. It, it seems like it's a bigger entity than Bob. Okay. And it seems like that. He also says, I'm looking for this when he's talking about the playing card with that symbol. Yes. And that symbol looks like the thing that birthed Bob. Oh. Essentially, the, you know, I, what I believe that they're getting at is that Judy, Day is the evil entity that birthed Bob. Okay. And we knew Bob to be like the end all be all evil. And there's something worse. Right. Out or there potentially. created Bob. Yeah. So, so could possibly create more Bobs. Yeah, <laughs> more bobs. I just liked it. More bobs. More bobs. Too many bobs. <laughs> Look at all the bobs. Um, so Philip Jeffries was aware of the en- entity, and Cooper told Gordon that if he, if Cooper disappeared, to try to find him as hard as he could, which I feel like is a given. But I don't know. I guess I guess I want on the record. I want to say, hey, Mikey, if I disappear, please try very hard to find me. <laughs> I didn't know that we need to clear that up, but... I mean, because it doesn't seem like that effort was put into... Fighting Jeffries. Jeffries or Major Briggs. Yeah, that's true. But I think, like, basically, it's it's less about come try to find me. It's more about don't ever presume me dead. Don't ever... Like, I'm going somewhere that I'm... I'm not going... Like... Where I'm going, I don't know where I'll be, and I might lose sight of myself, mm-hmm. and I won't be able to reach out for help, so mm-hmm. I need you to proactively pull me back. Sure. I don't, where I'm going, I don't want to end up, and I don't want to stay there. I don't want to get stuck there. Mm-hmm. I want to come back. So I need your help in making sure I don't get lost in this place that I'm going. Sure. It feels a little bit like the equivalent of, like, if something happens to me, it's my husband or it's this person. Yeah. Like, it's just sort of like, hey, some shit's about to, like... Right. But I have it's to about follow to pop this off. lead. Right. Yeah. But, and this could turn bad. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, Gordon says that... Um, Cooper- and, the, and he drops the two birds with... I'm Where I'm going, I'm, I'm going to try to kill two birds with one stone, mm-hmm. which is one of the clues the fireman giant... Gives you at the very, very beginning of this third season. Two birds with one stone? Two birds with one stone. Richard and Linda remember. Uh, Linda? 
Oh. We don't know yet. You, absolutely. You cannot shrug on this. <laughs> I mean, that's, but like, those are some of the things like, you know, um, the, the, the clues the fireman giant gives us at the very, very, very top of this series. Mm-hmm. Where remember, um, what was the, it was remember. The Titans. Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. Rent, re- rent it. It's a good mm-hmm. movie. Remember for, the main. Yeah. It was, it was remember, remember the Alamo. Three. It was a number. It was a number, and I don't remember what the number was. Well, then you didn't follow his instructions, You're right. did you? Um, <laughs> remember, Google it for me, because it's going to drive me nuts. What? How do I even begin to Google? Twin Peaks, remember. Peaks, remember. Clues, remember. God damn it, why can't I remember? But it's remember Richard and Linda, two birds with one stone. 430. 430, that's what it is, yeah. So he says, um, "You can cut all of my dumb stuff of me not remembering." No, no, no! I want everybody <laughs> to just really sit with it and listen to Mikey's struggle for but five But again, minutes. what that indicates to me too is I don't know the I don't know what the payoff is for four three zero. So I'm on in. Oh, I do Whoa. remember. Now. I do remember now. It's four hundred thirty months. Yeah, we get that next week. Um, so yeah, remember Richard and Linda. Remember the four three zero. Richard and Linda. Two, two birds, birds with one, one stone. stone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we get reference to that, you know, mm-hmm. and we don't, the only rich, we've met Richard Horn mm-hmm. thus far in this series. And the only reference we have to Alinda is the guy that Carl Rod takes into town in his Volkswagen bus talking about his wife, Linda, okay. can't make it into town the way she used to because of the wheelchair and mm-hmm. His wife's name is Linda. We never met her. Sure. He, but he references her as Linda. And those are the only people. But, I mean, clearly that's just a red herring. Oh, clearly. <laughs> obviously. As with Lynch, things are obviously true or false. Yeah. Um, so he also says that Raymond Rowe, um, who's an informant, and I cannot place who that is. That fucker, Ray. The one that Mr. C kills? Yeah. He okay. kills him, breaks him out of prison. And oh, oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. He's yes. George Griffith is the actor we met him at Twin Peaks Fest. Don't remember him, but I bet he was he, kind. Yeah. He was the one who kept oh, despairing. Oh, yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep, yep. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, <laughs> he, um, yeah, he was so, a work, basically. So we can presume that he was the one who gave Bogus coordinates mm-hmm. because he was working for the FBI. Got it. Um, so yeah, he says that the informant Ray Monroe said that the that Mister C was searching for coordinates. Um, okay, that's the end of what they're saying about that scene. We move over to Agent Headley, who is the <laughs> the guy. The, I can only the think F- of the guy FBI from Real O'Neill's. Yeah, um, I forget his name. I can never remember that actor's name. Yeah, let me hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Um, Patrick name? something, I think. Nope, not even close. Jay Ferguson. Really? <laughs> no. Really? Headley? Healy, yeah. This is H-E-A-D-L-E-Y. Headley. Heedley. I thought it was Healy. It could be Heedley. I thought it was H-E-A-L-L-Y, but either mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah, J.R. Ferguson. Hmm. Doesn't even sound familiar. <laughs> Strange. Maybe I just refer. Maybe I'm thinking of Patrick O'Neill was probably his name in the real O'Neill. Almost certainly, they're yeah, aggressively uh, Irish. And it's it's been a while since I've 
So anyway. Anyway. Um, he calls Gordon. He tells him that they found Dougie Jones. Ambush. <laughs> Finds Dougie Jones. But, they but we don't know him. where he is. Yeah. So they found the bed that he had been staying in, which he we saw last episode he busted out of. But um, uh, Bushnell Mullins is still there, um, who asks if he's like, oh, is that Gordon Cole? Is that Gordon Cole? I've got a message. I've got a message. For- for- and, and yeah, and Healy's like, what? Headley, whatever his name is, it's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. And I love that there's that, that other FBI agent who's just kind of like, Whatever. Well, every time he does something, he gets yelled. No, this yeah. is there's oh, another. There's another guy. Yeah. <laughs> this guy must. That be guy. A that guy was with, is though. back dealing with the Polish accountant who just shot up the street. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um. So Bushnell Mullins reads a. Um, excuse me. Bushnell Mullins reads Cooper's coded message to Gordon, which reveals to him that Cooper is Dougie Jones. And I'm going to drop the uh, the audio of that in here. How well, how well do you remember it? Do you remember the it's, larger points? Um, the end of it being, um, remember, 253. I, I, I left it 253, which adds up to 10, the number of completion. Okay. Um, but basically says, like, I have a message for Gordon, like... I'm going to Twin Peaks, Washington mm-hmm. to the show. I'm going to visit Harry Truman. Right. I left at 253, the number of completions. So basically like, I'm going to finish all of this. I'm going to finish my task. Uh-huh. And it happens to be. Bringing him to Twin Peaks. Bringing him to, to the sheriff's station in Twin Peaks. Right. Yeah. Um, Tammy looks up Cooper's activity and Gordon says he knows where he's headed, which is obviously mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. Um, and then he drops the like great moment of like, Dougie is Cooper. <laughs> How the hell is that? Like, it's great. So good. Oh, he's so great. Okay. Um, so we go back to Twin Peaks or the, the cell block in the sheriff's department. Um, they describe him as the drunk, but the guy with the horrible yeah. face and noises is sleeping. Yeah, he's cre- he's credited as drunk. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Um, I will say probably my the character that makes me the least comfortable. You say it. Every single Do time. I? Every time they cut to him, I don't like this. I don't. I don't. Like, this. You, like, it's not even like, oh, in this scene he pops up. It's literally like every time he's on camera, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I didn't realize I, I said don't that like out this loud. Guy. I don't like it. It's, I don't like, I don't like the noises he makes. I don't like his skin. Yeah. It makes me, because like the way he's acting isn't the way a drunk person acts. Mm-hmm. He's acting the way like a deeply mentally disturbed or disabled person and, acts. And presumably this is Billy. This missing Billy character. Oh. Because they, they talk about, like, the one girl talks about how he left and he, like, scaled the fence and he was, like, bleeding out of his mouth. Oh, that tracks. Probably this is Billy. Okay. But uh, how that plays into anything, who the fuck knows? <laughs> okay. Um, so the the drunk wakes up. Uh, Chad is being annoyed by him, which is, you know, Ch- Ch- like, Chad yeah, is an, Chad's mostly annoyed that he's awake. You're right. He's right. waiting for this drunk asshole to fall asleep because because the fact that like if it's anybody else who's there he's got that boot key mm-hmm. where he's trying to bust himself out but this guy's loud and repeating everything that's fucking happening right so he's just gonna be like yeah you can't break out you know yeah. whatever yeah everyone else one person's non-verbal mm-hmm. and the other two are probably terrified of him yeah. like 
Yeah, because we've got so we've got the drunk, we've got the woman with no eyes, and then we've got she's named, she's NATO, yeah, NATO, yeah, and then we have James Hurley and mm-hmm. Freddie, yeah, yeah. So th- we don't know. That surprised me. I feel like James Hurley would would say something if Chad tried to break break out. Yeah, maybe, but like if he's not really paying attention or sure. like I, you know, like. Maybe, but but either way, it's the drunk guy right across from him mm-hmm. that's loud and mimicking and whatever every single thing that he right. narrating everything, right. you know. Right. So, um, yeah. So NATO uh, wakes up as well. She starts making sounds, which wake up James and Freddie. Oh, so I guess everybody was asleep. Okay. And then the drunk woke up, woke everybody else up. Yeah. That's uh, that seems to be what happened. Um. She so NATO reaches up and she she's reaching out. She continues making those noises, which are then repeated by the drunk. Um, and everybody's and just, it's just it's, the whole scene is very like anxiety inducing. You know what it is? It's cacophonous. Okay. <laughs> it is. Don't you remember the conversation we had about cacophony that you thought I was making up the word? Yeah. You don't do. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed that. Um, Ben, oh, and then we go to the Great Northern where Ben receives a phone call about his brother, Jerry, who's in Wyoming. Yep. Jackson Hole. And he... Naked. When he... Yeah, so they found him naked in Jackson Hole, which is like kind of a bougie place of... Like, if there's any nice place of Wyoming, Jackson Hole is like a (laughs) really nice place. Well, it's a touristy spot and stuff, yeah. Um, But so it's just funny that he's like... In the one populous place in Wyoming, which is otherwise Well, just... and it makes you wonder, we don't know... Where he started? Well, we know he started in Twin Peaks. But then he was just... Did he, he walk, walk across Montana? All the way to fucking Wyoming? Yeah, that would mean he had to walk through yeah. Washington, through Idaho, ostensibly through... <laughs> unless he, like, you know, went down and took through, like, Salt Lake. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, it's, he walked across but like, the largest also, states. Also, where was it where the the coordinates were that Richard and Mr. C were where he blew up? Where was that? I mean, I guess Wyoming, right? Maybe? we Like, we don't know. Like, did he see this, witness this thing, think his binoculars killed someone, and then start running for oh, three sure. states? Or was it Wyoming where that happened? It we just, don't know. It just occurred to me to look up. I don't know if Buckhorn... Is a real place. Oh, I don't know. I never, I never, never cared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Buckhorn is technically in Wyoming, but like, there's a bunch of places called like Buckhorn Surveying, Buckhorn Bar in what looks like a very tiny town. So maybe that's. I mean, it's it. probably just a made-up fucking. Well, I just wanted location. to do my research because we're just responsible like Las Vegas. That's not a real place. Right, right, right. right. They just made up all their cities. Right. Las Vegas, New Twin York Peaks, City, New York. <laughs> yeah. Buckhorn. They just made all these places yeah. up. Philadelphia. Yeah. Buenos Aires. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Imagine you make up a place <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to call it Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, bits, uh. bits, bits. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So we go back to... Uh, we catch back up with Mr. C, who uh, gets to the woods outside Twin Peaks, um, which puts him at the coordinates. Which there's a, it's a great like creepy, ominous like establishing shot, which I love. Mm, which mm-hmm. is which is a lot of good just that shots. big black truck mm-hmm. that he's been driving parked in the same place 
where the um, uh, sheriff truck was when they went on that mission into mm-hmm. the woods where they went by Jack Rabbit's palace and stuff and found NATO and right. stuff like that. It's parked in the exact same spot, but just like in this way that like it's just kind of pulled over on an angle. I don't know why, but there's just something. It's basically the same establishing shot of when the sheriff's crew all went into the woods. Mm-hmm. And found NATO. But this just big truck is just so ominous there. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I like. I really, really like it. And I don't really have a tangible reason why. It's just like, as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, I recognize. It's just a shitty tree line. Mm-hmm. But I recognize this tree line is where they went in before. And it's interesting. I, I just, I don't know. Um, I think there is something inherently rewarding when you recognize a place. I think that's what, like... Yeah, especially when there's no real, like, indicators of, like, oh... And also, we've we've personally been there. But not that, not where that that truck was. That's, like, off the side of the road, like, where you... This is where you enter the woods, which is, you could enter the woods anywhere. Well, sometimes there's trails, but I don't think that's the case. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as, like, whenever we watch something that takes place in Chicago. There's just, Mm -hmm. like, something really rewarding about, like, oh, I know that intersection, or... That's not the way you get from Old Town to Andersonville. <laughs> that is in yeah. Garfield Park. Yeah, like, yeah. Every, everything is via Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about Sirens, which is a uh, a fun, short-lived uh, sitcom that oh, took yeah. place in Chicago. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. about a, a bunch of ambulance drivers, and mm-hmm. they're in Chicago, and it's just constant. What do they, what do they call their, uh, uh, whoa, no... I'd love to help you, but I don't oh, know what shit. Doing. They described the neighborhood as being no, no, wee, wee. It was north, north of north, north west, west of western, west. and they kept calling it no, no, wee, wee. That's pretty funny. North of north, west of western. That's pretty funny. Yeah. It's like Wicker Park Ridge? Yeah. North of north, west of western. Maybe like, depending on how far north and how far west, that's getting into like Logan. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so so yeah, th- that was good for you to you you enjoyed seeing that. That's fun. Um, Thanks. Sorry, that, that was I was so trying to get us, I know no I was trying to get us back on track, <laughs> and I didn't know how to do it without being completely yeah, dismissive that was good of for you. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Hosting a podcast is hard. You fucking enjoyed a thing. Asshole. Can we get back on track? Hosting a podcast is hard. <laughs> it takes a lot of skills. That's why not just anyone can do it. Can we <laughs> please? Thank you. Um so a portal forms. And so it looks similar to Yeah, it's the same swirl effect. Yeah, thing. okay. Yeah. Um, and he tr- he's transported to the Fireman's Theater, so the Giant's Theater. Right. Um, and we see on the right is Major Briggs' head floating. Ooh. <laughs> it really is. I was staring at it for so long because I was really curious if it was... I couldn't tell if it was a static image or like a... No, because it blinks. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was just staring at it. Um, and then um, the Fireman levitates again. Which we've seen him do before. And you see Mr. C's face in like a cage. Yeah. yeah. Yes, correct. And I we're gonna come back to just like faces overlaying. This is a face heavy episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Which I would argue most television shows are face heavy episodes. Sure, but sure, sure, sure. This one is... But I, th- I think, c- continue with your thought and what's going on with the description. But I think a lot of information is revealed in this little bit through the. Uh, I cannot wait the to passage hear about of the theater, it. of just like goals and missions and what okay. you know. Yeah. So the fireman levitates. The screen shows the Palmer House, and then a road in front of the sheriff's station where the doppelganger is then transferred. Yeah. That's all they have to say about that. Is there yeah, anything and else? that's it. That's Isn't all. Isn't that... What was that gold thing? Was that the scene? That's the scene where the it's where like they put the crane. orb, where in part eight she puts the orb into that thing and then that spits it out into oh. the map of the U.S. So essentially, the Fireman's Theater, as uh-huh. they're calling it, is some type of like central gateway. Like it's the dis- distribution center sort of of these entities passing through. So like they go through the fireman's mm-hmm. portal and whatever's on the screen is where they're going. Oh. So so Mr. C uh-huh. is trying to go to the coordinates. Uh-huh. So he found that portal in the woods by the little white sycamore tree in the golden white mm-hmm. liquid goo or whatever that's in there where we found NATO um, finds that portal goes up into the portal which is a direct link to the fireman's theater which Mm -hmm. I like that term I never knew what to call that but fireman's theater is a good way to describe it fireman's theater which would then distribute him to where he's trying to go okay and so Mr. C is trying to go to the Palmer house that's why that's what what's on screen but because Mr. or Major Briggs knew this was happening, he's in, in cahoots with the fireman to intercept that Mr. C, which is why you see him in the cage, and spit him out somewhere else. Huh. So that's why you see the fireman says, nope, stopping the Palmer house, skip, 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 I'm putting you here. And puts him in the sheriff station, which is why when he... He emerges there. Uh-huh. He turns around and goes, what is this? It, oh. Like, it's not where he was trying to go. I see. He thought he was going to the Palmer house, which leads me to believe Judy, the entity that he's searching for, mm-hmm. this evil being, lives in the Palmer house or is, is. the Palmer house. Oh. Or that's whatever the fuck you're hearing in the background when we see Sarah Palmer at the door and all that shit. Or Judy is in Sarah Palmer. That's what I Or guess. that little frog moth thing oh, I forgot got into Sarah Palmer as a kid and has been infesting her ever since. And that's why Laura Palmer was a target of Bob? Because of... You're doing a lot of shrugging in this I'm, show. I'm letting you finish your thought. Yeah, I, I don't want to interrupt it. Well, it's, it was going nowhere. It, it's just but genetics yeah, of like, that's of, why... But the Palmer house is a conduit and a place of evil. Okay. The like okay, the Palmer tracks. House is evil incarnate. However you look at, oh, are they just residing there? Are they infesting these people? So that's so we'll get into this in a little recap of the this episode cuz I think of how this kind of maybe even next week, but um but yeah, so 
Mr. C is trying to go to the Palmer house, which is where Judy is. That's his coordinates. His coordinates that he's looking for mm-hmm. all there are that Palmer house. Mr. Th- or Major Briggs and the fireman's plan intercepts him from that and spits him, locks him in a cage instead of letting him go where he's trying to go, changes the destination and spits him out at the So he's still in Twin Peaks, but he's not directly where he is trying to go. And well, but he's probably spitting him out in a place where to where protect he, Twin Peaks. Fireman spitting him out in Twin Peaks, the place where he just told Andy how to vanquish. Like he's setting up. He, Who's he? Fireman Fireman has set all the pieces okay. to have this big showdown and vanquish Bob by getting Freddy uh-huh. to the sheriff's station. Okay. He's the one who oh. told him to go to Twin Peaks, Washington and all this stuff. Don't know why. It's your fucking destiny. So the fireman is the reason Freddy with the green glove is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fireman is the reason... Andy knew where to physically place Lucy. Remember remember in the ceiling, Andy watched himself grab Lucy by the shoulders and put her in that doorway? No, I don't remember that at all. In this? When when Andy was in with the giant or with, with the fireman, he sees all that stuff on the screen and most of it was stuff we'd seen. We'd seen Bob birth being birthed or whatever we saw the dual coopers uh-huh so andy absolutely knows the second he sees that cooper this ain't the real cooper but i'm playing along very important very important i'm telling lucy where to go and lucy is going to be in charge of killing off she's our weapon bob mr c huh so all of this is the fireman's fucking plan and he's the one slowly putting all these pieces in place to get everybody, all the players involved in the right location, which is the Twin Peaks Sheriff Station. So the fireman or the giant isn't just an entity? Is he like a godlike figure, a puppet master? I mean, what's the difference between an entity and a godlike figure? I would say a godlike figure is an entity. Sure, but I I think an entity, to me, an entity kind of implies it is a lower, it is a spinoff of something, if that makes sense. Like an entity is an embodiment of something. I always just Uh, use entity like I don't know exactly what this being in essence is. I don't know how to explain it, so generically it's an entity. Yeah, I may be applying that. So it might be, be, he could be a godlike figure. Mm -hmm. He could be... Like, there's a good and an evil puppet master. Sure. Judy might be the evil puppet master. Mm-hmm. Fireman Giant is the, you know. Right. And he's, maybe he's a fireman because he's constantly putting out mm. the evil fires. Mm-hmm. And there's fire where you're going. And fire is a symbol of fire. evil me, and, but, and yeah. hatred and all the stuff. And so he's constantly trying to protect those things by putting people in the right places. Okay. Um, quick sidebar, since we're talking about the, um, the Palmer house, would you like to talk about that tweet that Consumers Energy put out about you should clean your fan? Yeah. <laughs> so essentially- I, I'm I, curious I the, if they knew that, what they were doing. I guarantee you they did not. Well, like, I, cause I've, I saw that they had subsequent tweets that were like, BRB, rewatching Twin Peaks and stuff like that. Oh, but they'd it, have done that? 
they or, after after they posted that. So uh, I don't know if it was just n- they didn't. Re- oh, as somebody who has run social media for companies, maybe. no fucking so, idea. They Googled fan gif. Yeah. So the tweet is from Consumers Energy. Uh, which is apparently a Michigan-based yeah. energy company. Cleaning your ceiling fan can make it run more effic- efficiently. No special tools required. A ladder, all-purpose cleaner, and some time. And the gif they use is... They just wanted a gif of a ceiling fan. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny that the Twin Peaks fandom are just such nerds that we we're like immediately like, I know exactly what fucking yeah, fan exactly. that is. <laughs> That's not just any fan. Yeah. That is the fan. <laughs> and... And so, Immediately, just boom, 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 boom. It was like replies of of lo- uh, all sorts. It's of, literally exclusively Twin Peaks gifts. Yeah, gifts as and you know, so, yeah. Somebody was just like, "Why the fuck is there so much traction on this?" And then like, "Why are they all weird somebody, things?" Somebody included the llama. <laughs> it's gift. so good. It's so it's good. It's just a bunch of people dorking out and putting like. It's delightful. It's quite funny. Um, yeah, and apparently so, they had a, a good time. So there, with it. you'll yeah the the. The real owner of that Palmer house oh, yeah. uh, is a, is a woman named Mary Reber. Um, she's delightful. Um, she makes an appearance in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I so I I we re- I replied with the Cooper Duber account to that with like oh this seems like a good opportunity because like that's that's yes it's from Twin Peaks and all this but like also that's her ceiling fan yeah yeah that's Could just you imagine that's in her house that's just her <laughs> ceiling fan. And I was like, oh, this is, is a good it- opportunity to take a moment to check in on Mary Reber. And, and she, and she replied with like, oh, I've been a little under the weather lately. I've but had I'm a feeling- bad case of sinusitis for the last 11 days. Had me down pretty good. Just starting to feel better. Thank you for checking it's in. It's so sweet. I love <laughs> so her. So good. What a great She's community. She's the nicest. And then somebody responded, may the road rise up to meet your wheels. Uh, Wally Brando. Yeah, yeah. So good. It was. Yeah. It was just wholesome internet yeah it's so infrequent that we get this yes that's the beauty and like that's part of the reason i i get more and more and more entrenched in the twin peaks fandom so regularly is that i'm never let down by it like i it's that it's shit like that keeps it like Fandoms can be very problematic yes like all that you look at all the star wars fans or all the marvel fans and stuff like it's just like yeah you can be a big fan but there's also like well fuck this can't believe they did this shit this uh, you're ruining my childhood and whatever stupid shit like the twin peaks fandom is just a, all about embracing the weird and like you can have a polar opposite viewpoint or idea on a thing and it's like oh that's cool i think like, it's just so wonderful i agree and i think part of it is a, a then res- why did you sound mad at it no because it's just <laughs> i agree god damn it <laughs> no because i'm okay about, i'm about to put white dudes on blast <laughs> and so i'm just like really amping up the energy there i agree and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that david lynch is so withholding of additional information because I think what happens, mm-hmm. like obviously people are just like assholes about like the Ghostbuster remake or whatever. Yeah. But when it comes to like, I'm thinking of Star Wars in particular, is there is such a deep universe that anything hap- that happens on screen of like a big budget Star Wars thing mm-hmm. either confirms or contradicts something that happened in like the Clone Wars series or whatever. So it's just people who have like entrenched in it and no whereas Twin Peaks like you get these 18 episodes and you get fucking nothing else. And it's and it's great because it's like when he 
like part of people's like criticisms of some of those other comic book series and things like that are well this is supposed to lead to this or this means this and so that's why like <laughs> David Lynch is like actively being like I don't give a fuck what you thought that was supposed <laughs> to mean this is what it means now until yeah. I fucking change it later. Fuck you. Yeah. And David Lynch is not interested in fan service. Don't But also clearly is sometimes. But I think he, I would argue that he has the same wants and desires as the audience. He wants to see Ed and Norma together. He wants this story to continue. See, and that's, and, and, and there are moments like that, but at the same time, he's critiquing that very, fandom of give me fan service shit because mm. like I, I think this is a sad ending even though we essentially save Laura mm-hmm. this is a sad ending because it was like this is what you fucking wanted and it's not fucking right mm-hmm. this isn't her ending yeah and I think it's a fuck you to the fans not not That's in, aggressive. not yeah you're right that was aggressive <laughs> not a fuck you to the fans but it's like no you're you're incorrect it's a correction to the fans who are like, oh man, wouldn't that be awesome if we could just save Laura? No. And I think Cooper's always been our audience surrogate. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of a critique on Cooper, which in turn is a critique on the fandom hmm. of no, you can't. You can't save Laura. Yeah. She has to die. And not only that, she has to die horribly. By her own choice. Yeah. She has to choose to die. And in doing so, she becomes redeemed. Mm-hmm. I, toward the end of this, and like I said, there's a lot I don't really remember um, from here on out. But. <laughs> from here well, on I'm out. I'm sorry. Like, but, like there's not one hour left. <laughs> I meant more specifically, like after, it doesn't matter. I don't remember much that's going on. Um, and when they, toward the end of this episode, when they cut back to the Palmer house, I was like, is there an It's a Wonderful Life thing that happens that Laura reappears and all of a sudden everybody's <laughs> alive and happy and her death just Every set time up. a bell rings. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, God. Okay, where were we? Merry, Merry Christmas, you old double R diner. I... Merry, Merry Christmas, Twin Peaks Savings and Loan. <laughs> Why? For somebody who did not grow up around Jimmy Stewart, Stewart couldn't. <laughs> you look like you were about to say Kimmel. Which, no, <laughs> no, I wasn't. Which I just I really, would. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things that I couldn't pull up his last name, and I thought if I just started saying it, it would just pop in my head. So it is a chance that I was he's, like, he's one that's funny because everyone refers to him as Jimmy Stewart, but he's always credited as James, James Stewart, Stewart, which I love. Um, well, we're it's, really close. It's like, well, it's 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 like when people say Marty Scorsese. Yeah. My favorite is when or Bob De Niro. When people say, you'll hear an equal number of people say Marty Scorsese and an equal number of people say Marty Scorsese. And I was like, you're close enough to say Marty, but the two of you don't know how to correctly say his last name, and I find that thoroughly entertaining. <laughs> There's like a very, very, very old, like early days of internet. Somebody did a video uh, before this was a thing, but like a video audition for Stanley Kubrick. Mm. But he kept referring to Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's there's a handful of names that like you hear that a lot, and I don't know. Oh, I've heard a, a lot of people of say Kubrick, them, and I'm never like Margot Robbie. I'm never sure if it's Robbie or Robbie. I believe it's Robbie. 
I, I believe she's Robbie. Yeah. I, but it's things like that. But it's like, Margot. A lot of people don't know that. Worst. It is. It is, however, Gal Gadot. Is it? You, you, you pronounce the T. Gal, but Gal Gadot. I believe so. I believe it's Gal Gadot. Which makes sense. She's not French. She's yeah, it's, Israeli. Israeli. Yeah. <laughs> um. God, language is. So but famous. yeah, we it, it looks so similar to. Godot, like, like waiting for Godot. Wait, waiting for Godot that, um, yeah. Anyway, all I wanted to say that I, is that I really like hearing and doing Jimmy Stewart impressions, even though I did not grow up with him there, at all. Dana I feel like, Carvey used to do a really good Jimmy Stewart, just, and there was several. There was an episode. I don't remember. Fuck, I'd have to find that. Maybe you can find it and link to it. But there was an episode. I assume as I think yeah. I it think, wasn't his variety show, was it? No, it was on SNL, and it was like I. For some reason, I'm conflating it with like, I think it was a crossover with Toonsis. Oh, the cat who yeah, could drive a car, and he cat. was like, or he, it was just he, or he was a cab driver, okay, or something. It I was just car based re- entertainment. Yeah, it was a car based <laughs> sequence. Got it. And I just remember it being very funny, but I remember nothing else about it. I'll see and what I, I just, can find I just, I just, he just kept. Everything is you kind of stutter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. think very much like um, George H. W. Bush. Maybe my understanding of who Jimmy Stewart is is shaped by Dana Carvey. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I just see everything. And the best the thing about that Carvey. is that like Dana Carvey's George Bush is not even that good. No, it doesn't. It's it's it doesn't sound like him. It's it's a bizarre. It, like, it sort of mimics the speech patterns a little but very yeah, well. But it's so wild. Like, but it was just he made this new caricature, and like that's what like there's a scene in Opportunity Knocks. It was a Dana Carvey movie. Okay, and he needs to get out of a situation, so he pretends he's George Bush in like a public bathroom, mm-hmm. and they like are covering his face, and he's doing his George Bush impression, and you're like this. Nobody would believe that this is true because it doesn't. It sounds like a bad, exaggerated impression of George. Isn't Dana Carvey like nine inches shorter than George Bush? Wasn't he like pretty tall? Probably. (laughs) Anyway, oh, he was a monster. He harassed women. That's fine. Uh, George W. George H. W. Bush, not Dana Carvey. I don't know about Dana Carvey. Almost broke my heart. No, 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 no. no. I don't (laughs) think Dana Carvey is a monster that we know of. Yeah. But guess what? Yeah, everyone. I feel, I just I everyone feel I'm like holding down an arm's distance. It's like the opposite of our justice system of like innocent until proven guilty. It's kind of like assume this white male in Hollywood is a monster unless he continues to prove himself otherwise. I do feel like once a month, Mikey is like, here's another thing I found out about why David Lynch isn't a monster. I, I so get every time I hear of something great about David Lynch, I get very excited because. Just looking at his body of work mm-hmm. and like the violence to women in it and stuff. And I'm realizing as I've read more about David Lynch and his, like, the, if I finally finished Laura's Ghost, the Courtney Sollings book. It's, it's somebody- excellent. It's excellent. I'm just not a avid reader. So no, I read you're not. Frequently. And I really hope somebody's been paying attention and can tell me how long it took Mikey to read this book. I could probably find out. Well, yeah. But. But it's very good. But like it talks about like what Lynch is good at doing is showing these stories that don't exist. And they aren't just gratuitous violence against women. It's like, I'm going to tell these stories that aren't told. 
Yeah, because violence this, against women is a huge problem. Very, yeah, very huge problem. And it's swept under the fucking rug in the media. Yeah. Or it's a plot point. Right. Which is even worse. Yeah, we talked about fridging love interests on this. Do you remember we talking fridging? about that? Yeah, I think yeah, we talked about it with... Um, what is... Um, it's... Apparently, it is a spinoff of something particular, but fridging is the um, the concept of you kill off a love interest in the first act of a movie and that's how our hero goes on his journey oh. is like oh it's a revenge flick or whatever. oh like John Witt's dog <laughs> John Wick's dog fridging is a specific term that I want to say had to do with Spider-Man but I'm not sure uh, that could be wrong but it's it's from a very specific thing where literally a woman was like locked somebody found her body in a fridge in a refrigerator hmm. okay I remember in the 80s when we were all really concerned about refrigerators. No. You don't remember that? There was a bunch of like PSA. One person, one kid was running. Saved Indiana Jones's life in Indiana Jones 4, which is utterly forgettable. Um, Apparently, one kid was in either like a junkyard or something like that, was playing hide and seek. Oh. Got in a fridge, and in those days they locked from the yeah. inside or and something they used like to, that. Like, and she play died. A game to like, how long can you last in there? Oh, that but... I don't remember. But they did like a very special episode sure. of whatever, uh, Punky Brewster or whatever. Like, sure. Anyway, that was a... my mom still has in her basement one of those old like fifty nineteen fifties fridges with like the yeah the the, the handle that it, it's it's like a, a like a car door like a um, restaurant fridge door handle oh sure where like you it pulls open and that explains why kids yeah died in there um yeah it was we she still has it it still fucking works it's probably sucking all of her energy bills how much (laughs) does that cost you yeah (laughs) but it's like her like oh when i've got this you know a big fucking turkey that i want to keep refrigerated i wait so she has oh god let's be clear she has a fridge in her kitchen she has a fridge Mm -hmm. in her garage and an Mm -hmm. additional fridge in the basement yeah i mean the fridge in the basement is literally just there for and doesn't she have a chest freezer or no 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 no. i want a chest freezer i feel like we could put a lot of good use into that there's literally nowhere in our house that could go yeah right um and if we ever kill somebody according to movies and tv that's the best place to michael uh not again thank you never again good cover cover. (laughs) we almost got busted so close both that it got busted (laughs) okay so what? Yeah, we got done saying Cooper, Mister so C, Mr. C ends up in front was of was trying to go to discover, find Judy, find this evil location, mm-hmm. which seems like it was the Palmer House, uh-huh. and got redirected via Major Briggs and the firemen to Twin Peaks Sheriff Station. I think I am team the infection. I'll call it is. With Sarah Palmer and not the house, and Sarah just hasn't left that house in twenty five years. That's what I. What think. Are you, uh, team? What? Like you were saying, is the house an evil entity, or what is going on? I think to me, it feels like whatever Sarah Palmer when she ate that frog moth, mm-hmm. the evil is within her, and instead of instead of her being affected by it, it just affects the people who are around her. Sure, which. And is Sarah trying to do the right thing by staying home to keep this evil contained in this location? I think after seeing almost all of it, I think that is my thought of she somehow figured out that 
because there wasn't enough violence and chaos in her life, Bob or whatever tried to cause it around her because they want and chaos. If, but but that's why she now is like watching really violent shit on mm-hmm. TV because that is enough to keep the people And that's at what bay. Judy wants to watch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was more like I, if you get these little bits of like not real sure. life violence, but watching violence. What what I also what I also like about that idea is if now that we've seen this episode we can talk about it. If Cooper's mission was successful and Laura doesn't die as we see mm-hmm. and she doesn't show up on that beach and Pete goes fishing that day and Laura isn't dead mm-hmm. and Laura is still alive somewhere mm-hmm. if that's the case Sarah is sacrificing herself and her well-being mm-hmm. by not seeing Laura because if she sees Laura she's bringing this evil back to her child again and Laura got away. Okay. Laura got away from this house, away from this location where this evil is. And Sarah is is t- is letting the evil fester within herself and not letting it get to Laura, who is unknown. Okay. Presumably alive now, supposedly, but. based on what, what we, we've seen. Presumably alive. But we have no idea where or when or whatever. Okay. Or it's a final destination situation, and she died somewhere else somehow. She was because die she anyway. was needed to die. to die. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Mr. C appears at Twin Peaks Sheriff Sheriff Station. NATO then senses it and wakes up. Um. As the and so it's sort of annihilated. So we see NATO waking up and and becoming agitated while um. The doppelganger Mr. C. sees yeah. Mr. C. Excuse me, thank you. Mr. C sees Auntie, which we did talk briefly about how the Mr. C look does not work as well in broad daylight. the The wig is weak. The wig is not like, great. Anything in in that like, yeah, that and it feels like, like I was. I thought it was so good in the, like in the sort of dimmer lighting that you like he looked mm-hmm. a little more weathered and things like that. And I thought that was a really cool effect. But when you see in broad daylight, it just looks like he's wearing like a shit ton of makeup and a wig. Yeah. Which isn't great. I think the contacts still work really well though. Yeah. I feel like contacts yeah. um like when you're trying to change your eye color, it almost always looks insane and yeah. not accurate. Well, it's such a it's you have to get very, very fine detail yeah. to see the the line of a contact. Right. Um But I love this. We I watched this again because I, I was like I remember it being a thing that they talked about in some of the extra scenes where David Lynch directing Andy, Harry Goaz, um, about this scene and the difference between that and him directing Michael Sarah mm-hmm. um, in the Wally Brando sequence. Because apparently Andy taking the, the picnic basket out of the back of that like town and country wagon and closing the door took like 48 takes and then and then wally brando and his entire fucking monologue about the shadow is sometimes in front of me and sometimes behind me and they did it once and it was like cool that was great do you have another one in you just for safety's sake and it was like what what like but he but andy apparently couldn't close the door correctly of of the wagon it's like a station wagon. Yeah, in in a way that was acceptable for David Lynch, and so I, I like looked up the extras before we watched the episode to be like, I don't, I want, 
I want to remember how many times Andy said they did a take on it, mm-hmm. and he said it was forty-seven or forty-eight. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Yeah, it, you would lose your fucking. Well, mind. it's like working with David Fincher or whatever. That, I mean, yeah, yeah, I was thinking that as well. Um, and and it's it's one of the it's one of the things that happens when you do when you shoot digital. And David Lynch is a big fan of digital. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do this. He talks about it took 47 or 48 takes. And then we watch the episode. I don't even think they use a shot of him closing it. Yeah, I don't remember seeing They him. They cut back to NATO mm-hmm. when he would be closing it. Mm-hmm. It's I, He apparently never got the take that he, he wanted. fucking blew it. <laughs> it's God. so wild. Yeah, it's, it's so funny the things that like really clock with a with a director yeah. and some that don't yeah yeah it's um, it's it's wild um you, you see people who are that particular about like how this door is closed and it's got to be an exact right way and then you see movies with like yeah there's a boom in the shot yeah. <laughs> and you let that slide like what the wing. fuck yeah like major continuity yeah. errors and you you missed that but you it's, took 50 takes on on closing a car door i mean it's That's a television insane. though right it's like after we like clean our house and all of a sudden you're like ooh, there's a piece a speck of dust on the floor that you'll yeah. always get but like it's just what you pay attention to yeah, it's, yeah, and that is a real thing that mikey does if we've like just had the house really cleaned yeah um okay so andy obviously thinks that he's uh dale cooper and then we see but here's that's the thing i don't think he does Okay. I think he knows this is a second Cooper. Based on the information he got from the fireman when looking at the fireman ceiling. I straight up forgot that he saw the fireman. <laughs> it's been a, a lot of TV. <laughs> it was only like three weeks ago. Um, but based on the information he got of all of the, the series of images that were shown him, one of those images was the Cooper on top of Cooper splitting apart. Mm-hmm. And you saw Cooper with the quaffed hair as we know him mm-hmm. and Mr. C and so I think the fireman gave him instructions indirectly sure of this information and this is going to happen and I think he knows exactly who this fucking version of Cooper is mm-hmm. which again though is also weird because he got weird cryptic messages and so that's what I'm wondering is we saw these cryptic messages Andy got a series of images and whatever and he got a smoking box thing and mm. but he seems to know what to do with that information the information Freddie got when he's retelling the story did he get it that cryptically and just understands it mm-hmm. almost verbatim is there something about the delivery method that's like oh it looks fucking cryptic but I know exactly what that means. I like that idea. I like the idea of it's not that the giant or the fireman is being purposefully vague. It's mm-hmm. that he's tailoring his message so the person who needs to understand it can understand it. Something. And we as the audience, it's going to go over our, our heads. Yeah. Like, but like the way Freddie in the Green Glove tells his story is like, you need to, the fireman is sitting with him talking normal forward of like, you need to go to Twin Peaks and you need to buy this glove Uh and it's going to be in a package and there's going to be two, like, or did you just show him some weird end cap display with a a glove thing? And he's like, I know I need to buy that. Yeah. That's it's yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. So we cut down to back to the jail cell where Chad, um, 
pulls a key out of his boot, which is a wild thing to have. I mean, he knows. He knows he's probably going to get locked up at some fucking yeah. point. He's but shitty also, in it, every way possible. So it looks like a key from the 1930s. Like it It's looks like a like universal s- cell key. Oh, though. like a skeleton key? Yeah. I think, yeah. Um... Andy uh, brings Cooper inside where they meet Lucy and Frank. Um, and Andy recalls the vision of himself and Lucy that the fireman showed him. Right. And this is him placing her in a very specific location. Right. And we also get, this is the first time we see the shots of like the electrical cables. There's a very particular shot traveling down the electrical cables and this is cooper mr c traveling into town Mm. so now we've seen all the images that andy saw and i I, so andy knows he has a job and his job was a get nato to the sheriff's sheriff station Mm -hmm. and to put lucy in a particular place at a particular time Mm mm-hmm and he does those things. And it is, in his words, very important, very important. And what I'm curious about is how much of this Lucy knows ahead of time. What do you think? Are you asking if Did Andy he go back and say, hey, I was brought up into this place. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to do a thing. I'll tell you when and where to be. My instinct is no, because I think we would want... Or David Lynch would want us to see that, but who fucking knows it's, what David Lynch wants? I I would think, but but the way he said, like the, his line delivery, his re, line reading of very important, very important. <laughs> our dog is snoring. Um, he looks at Lucy, and the words he says are very important, very important. Mm-hmm. But the the way it's delivered sounds like this is it. This is the part I told you about. Uh, you know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Like there's something, the way he stops and he's running and he looks back at her, points at her and says, very important, very important, and gives her a nod like, you got it? Like a Do you get nod? this? Yeah. And she's kind of like, okay. You know, like it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So Chad breaks out of his cell using that key. The do- uh, Mr. C goes to Frank's office um, while, Han- while Andy goes to get Hawk. Um, Chad loads a revolver while the drunk peels a bandage off his face, which I did not right. care for. Here's the thing I find strange, though. Andy says he's going to get Hawk. Hawk's one of the last people to show up when shit goes down. It really bugs me that Hawk wasn't more part of this. Yes. But I also... And, like, I maybe going to get Hawk was an excuse. Mm-hmm. And what he's actually doing is going to get Lucy. Okay. Um... To be the one who shoots or whatever, um, but I this entire sequence of uh, Mr. C interact like so they come in. Uh, Andy introduces Mr. C to Truman, and Mr. C is per- absolutely perplexed. Sure, and but then continues like there's a beautiful like apprehension of Truman being like. I don't know who you are. Uh-huh. And I love that. And I love that, like, then there's this also cockiness of Mr. C being, like, in the flesh. Yes. In this, like, really gross way. Yes. And, and considering that 
literally that's the only part of Cooper that he is is yeah, in the flesh. That's a creepy. It's a creepy line phrase. delivery. It's one of the first, like you see you see this version of Mr. C smiling too, which means you can see those His gross teeth. teeth. Yes. It's it's all so fucking creepy and mm-hmm. weird. And, and again, it, like I cannot overemphasize how unsettling it is to see him in like fluorescent lighting. Yeah. And oh, like yeah. broad and, daylight. And sunlight. Yeah. It, it's very uh, yeah. putting. Um But I do love that you get a moment of and this is the part of the fan service that I think David Lynch does and does well mm. is giving importance to Andy, mm. giving importance to Lucy mm-hmm. and giving like, yes, Truman is a new character and he's involved, mm-hmm. but the emphasis is on Andy and Lucy here. Mm-hmm. Would have liked to see Hawk more important role. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more of that later, but then we'll get into this. My whole idea of the evil being vanquished really easily, where we talk about like all the bad guys just get killed off mm-hmm. like quickly and easily. Like Bob has been our big bad this entire series, and, and then this thirty years, and then this fucking new guy comes in and just punches him a few times, and he's dead. What right. the fuck? Magical punches yeah but who the fuck is this guy <laughs> you know what i mean like michael his name's freddie i think we went over this yeah, already he's been in two and a half fucking episodes <laughs> like what yeah it's yeah it's, it's very strange to give freddie the kind right. of emotional and like, climax you're you're the entire series has been building to this cooper versus cooper showdown uh-huh. of the two of them going at it and bob being vanquished and we do not get it and we get Cooper running in and being like, you're Freddy? Have at it, bro. <laughs> and that's it. It's wild. Yeah, it's a strange choice. Um, so Andy reaches the cell block. Um, Chad is aiming the gun at him. He's taunting him. And then as he, uh, as Chad walks toward, toward him, Freddy punches <sighs> the cell door open which knocks yeah, Chad. It, it hits Chad. Yeah, knocks him over. Um, and then, so Chad's dispatched. And then Lucy answers the phone at the desk and is... <laughs> the, way, the way you dispatch people in action movies of... One well-placed Yeah, punch. A, a punch or a hit or whatever, and they're just knocked out, not dead, just... Uh- we don't need yeah. to worry about them anymore. Like it's shorthand. Yeah, like they're yeah, for done. Sure. We did it. Yeah, we yeah moved on. They're not not a problem anymore. But he's not a murderer, right? So right. it's fine. Of course. Yeah, it's it's just such a very movie trope thing. Yeah, but, totally. But yeah. which reminds me, quick sidebar. Uh, I recently rewatched um, uh, Deadwood, and one thing I notice is. They're rewatched. I thought that was your first. I watched it back when we lived in Chicago, but oh. I would put it on like while I was working, so I did not huh. catch I didn't realize any of it. Old thing was a rewatch. I thought that was your first time. Um, anyway, but there is a whole you know like basically all but one of the women in the show are sex workers of some stripe, and so there's part of it is like yeah like sex work sex work is valid work and blah blah blah, blah. but also Timothy Oliphant who is our lead. <laughs> never 
goes to a sex worker. Oh, yeah, so yeah. we have to still make sure that there, like yeah. we know sex work is okay. There's a clear moral high ground. Right. It, I find yeah. it really annoying actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's like shorthand for this is our good guy because he doesn't sure. deign to pay women for work. Whatever. Um, Which in the world that they've set up makes him kind of the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. He's the guy who's... Are we going to be capitalists or not? Well, like, yeah, you don't think that this is real... Like, you're demeaning and you're, yeah, yeah. like... it's It has, in the world that they set up, the opposite effect of what it's going for, but in the world that we live in, yeah. it's the effect that they want. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's anyway, interesting. It's nightmares. Shorthand and things like that. Okay, um... So then we cut. So we're cutting back and forth from the cell block to uh, to the off to the office, um, and then Lucy answers the phone, and it's Cooper. Well, we, but it's Cooper sounding like Cooper right. and being Cooper. And, and what what the Mister C character with the big giveaway, and I think the moment where Truman becomes apprehensive is a. What we don't know is, did Frank Truman ever meet Dale Cooper? I think absolutely not. No? Okay. I I mean, it, it's... My understanding is that Cooper left town almost immediately after the last shot we saw of How's Annie. There was there was some time they talk about that because he went back and quote-unquote visited Audrey. Um, uh, there's, there's some shit that happened and he wrapped up some things and whatever before he left. It's not immediate, but... But yeah, so Frank I, has never... Okay. I think absolutely not. Sure. Um... But Frank offers him, he, he's almost certainly heard stories because Harry sure, would have talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank offers him coffee and Mr. C says no. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, that's your, honestly, that's your dead giveaway. Yeah, of course. This isn't Cooper. Mm-hmm. Cooper will never say no to coffee. Right. Um, so I think there's a moment there when he becomes apprehensive and then we get into what you're talking about. Continue. Um, so Lucy answers the phone, realizes that that's Cooper, who she's talking right. to, because... And the first thing he says is, just passing Twin Peaks, you see the sign, you see the sign, whiz by, yeah. which is great. Like, yeah. it's there, so but good. it's flying by. And then, is the coffee on? The first fucking thing he asks and also, like, is the coffee on. So, like, ex- Very, yeah. exactly how Cooper talked, like, summed yeah. up, of yeah. like... Quick clipped coffee based. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh. So then we go back to Frank's office, where um, Mr. C is telling Frank that he's in Twin Peaks for unfinished business. Um, Lucy transfers the call from her phone to Frank. Tra- Lucy transfers the call from the real Cooper to Frank as mm-hmm. he arrives in Twin Peaks. Okay. Um. Mr. C notices, so Frank answers the phone, realizes like. Well, he says like, take a message, Lucy. And Lucy's like, no, you need to take this call. Yeah. And that's when he's, that's when he says, is the coffee on? Yeah. And cause, and he starts it and it's like, there's a little bit of a like, oh, sad moment because he says, Harry. It's Dale Cooper. Oh, that And you're hurt like, because he doesn't heart. realize. Of course, because like, they call him Sheriff It's Trooper. the same right. way, it's the same way we get um, earlier when Major Briggs, because Cooper knows all this information because of what Major Briggs told him. 
And Major Briggs said, you need to be here. You need to go do this. You need to go do this. The same way he told Betty Briggs, his wife, one day Truman and Bobby are going to come looking for this information. Mm -hmm. She's like, I didn't even think it would be a different different Truman. But yeah, that makes sense now. The same thing, like he didn't tell him it was going to be a different Truman. He just said Sheriff Truman. Right. And he assumed Harry. Why wouldn't you? Um, And so he says that and is the coffee on and he, Frank realizes. He puts it together. Immediately, this is the real Cooper. And they had already, like, they already set up that that Frank Truman knew about, like, this idea of two Coopers. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then now this Cooper that sounds like the person my brother explained many times Mm -hmm. is talking about all this stuff. And this other guy sitting in front of me being all creepy and weird. Yeah, this This, is probably the bad guy. Yeah, this doesn't feel like the person I'm supposed to know. Right. Um, So Mr. C notices that Frank is kind of thrown off. He notices his silence. So he draws his gun. Frank does as well. And then you hear a shot. And you don't really know exactly what... The- what I can't tell is, do you hear two shots? I thought I heard shot? two shots, Okay, good. I don't know. You're supposed to, I think. Oh. Because you see Frank Truman's hat gets hit. And it, and it, and it like, old fucking it, spaghetti western yeah, style. Yeah, that's exactly like, what I was thinking. Ba-bree! And, like, <laughs> flops up and, like, yeah. jumps, which is a great little moment of comedy. Yeah, it definitely in a, In an up. otherwise tense moment, but, like, it's so strange. Yeah. Um, so we know Mr. C got a shot off, um, but Mr. C also has been shot. He falls to the floor, and we see Lucy behind him, standing, mm-hmm. holding a gun. Um, and she says that she figured out how cell phones work, which is a dumb bit. It's a, a pretty dumb, dumb bit that they that like, I like this to me is. This feel a feels like a David Lynch joke, not a Mark Frost joke. Okay. B, it's the total like old man nerd in David Lynch that's just like, what if at the very beginning she doesn't understand cell phones, and then we give her this big moment where she kills the the big bad Mister C, uh-huh. and then she understands cell phones. <laughs> Huh? It's full circle. <laughs> and it's just like, it sounds like a dumb thing that he's like, this is funny. <laughs> he does have a deeply strange sense of humor. Yeah. And I think it, and it's it's delightful yeah. in the dumbest way. Mm-hmm. But I, I love it. I think, I think it works. It doesn't work in anybody else's hands, Mm-mm. but it works here. And and what I love about it is somebody who in the original series never really got the credit and recognition that she deserved as being one of the best characters of Twin Peaks. Oh, yes. She never really she was she was never in the original cast. She was always a also starring. Mm. She never like she's so great. She's wonderful and never really got that recognition i mean i think she was always a fan favorite but like within the active like twin peaks of earth but to give we need somebody to shoot mr c here who deserves it let's give it to lucy yeah 
You know, like it's just such a, a like here's a recognition for your hard work mm-hmm. and the the fact that everyone loves you and right. everything like that. Like it could have been Bobby, it could have been Hawk, mm-hmm. it could have been but like there's something sweet about it being Lucy. I do find like genuine good mm-hmm. is what kills off the evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's something I love about that. Yeah. Uh so um Cooper, the real Cooper um tells Frank to stay away from the body. Um Freddie, Nato, and Weird Jane. shit has happened too. As soon as he hits as soon as Mr. C hits the floor, the lights get dark. Mm-hmm. It's it's this weird, darkened everything is sort of underexposed mm-hmm. looking. Even outside when Cooper comes in, well, it's underexposed. It's, oh, I was just thinking it was like all of a sudden sunset. No, no. It's, oh. It's because then he walks inside the building and they're under fluorescent lights, but it's, it looks the same. it's this weird underexposed, almost orangey tint. Sure. It's, it's all part of whatever this dark cloud is that is bringing in these woodsmen and, mm-hmm. and such. Um, so Freddie, Nato, James um, are brought up to the office. Andy is escorting them. Hawk comes in the room. Why the fuck is James there? All of this is this big master plan of Major Briggs and the firemen and and potentially early on Cooper that we never saw off screen. Freddie is important. Okay, major player. Let's get him there. Lucy is a major player. We got to get them there. All of these people play a fucking factor. Why the fuck is James there? I mean, is it the same reason that Is it they just, just so that we can have a connection to Freddie? To make Freddy seem more important? Because like, oh, we've got this surrogate through Yeah. James. I mean, I think that's part of it. I wonder if also part of it is the same reason we have Lucy dispatch our big bad. Is that like, James kind of got the yeah short end of the stick. But James doesn't do anything no. here. No, 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 no. But like, we placed him in the room at the finale. Yeah, I guess. Which, um, it genuinely bothers me genuinely bothers me is a really big assertion well you complain it, about it on like a daily basis <laughs> so it, it genuinely irks me that neither um um bobby briggs nor hawk are yeah and hawk comes action. like running in late which i guess you could argue that hawk had his like his shit play out. He had the Margaret subplot. There, he found the shit in the in the bathroom stall. Like he was active y- through sure, this. Sure. And 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 Bobby becoming a deputy is his redemption. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. there is an exchange though that well, maybe we'll get to in a minute. But I'll throw it out now because you're bringing it up. So Hawk arrives a little bit late and he comes running in. Like, basically, like, I heard a fucking gunshots. What's going on? And it, fast forward a little bit, and we're in, it, we're in Cooper's monologue. And he says, what does he say? He says, some things are going to change. And he looks directly at Hawk when he says that. Cooper says some things are going to change and looks at Hawk. And looks at Hawk. Okay. Hawk looks back at him and kind of nods. And what we learned in that previous sequence of Hawk exchange with Margaret Mm -hmm. with the log lady death isn't death the way we see it death is a change Hmm. they they have that whole exchange about how death in our culture is just a change 
It isn't, it isn't gone. It isn't over. It's just a change. And so when Cooper says some things are going to change and looks at Hawk and Hawk acknowledges, it feels like Cooper saying some people are going to die. Oh, people are going to die. Who's going to die? We don't know. Cooper. Hmm. We'll get there. But I, but there's a genuine exchange of saying, in my in my opinion, someone is going to die. You understand what some things are going to change means when I when I look you in the eye and say some things are going to change. It's so funny because I took the much less nuanced approach of like, you're going to become deputy or you're not deputy, you're going to become sheriff. Of also, like that's what's going to change. Also, Cooper says at one point. If I'm ever lost, I want you to be the one who finds me. Mm. There's that, too. And when he talks about if I ever go missing, if I go to this place and I go missing, he's Cooper's preparing all everything he can before he embarks on this new journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not technically there yet. No. So, yeah. So Hawk gets he's there. Um, the room darkens and all of a sudden we see the woodsmen again who are doing a really similar thing to what they Same. did yeah. at the beginning of uh, this ritual party. that pulls Bob out essentially right. um, Cooper arrives the Mitchum brothers are there um, the woodsmen are finishing and just befuddled by everything I love it uh, reasonably so something yeah. for the grandkids and like eh? the three women Candy, Mandy, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Sandy did mm-hmm. I get them? Yeah? yeah I think so um, are there in like in their fucking little costumes. Good thing we have so many finger sandwiches. <laughs> um, so then all of a sudden a black orb rises from Mr. C, which is Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, It immediately attacks Cooper um, and Freddy. Freddy is on the ground and then punches Well, and Cooper him. looks at him because he knows what's going on and says, Are you Freddy? Yes. This is my destiny or whatever. I'm sorry. Was that your London accent? No. Abso- my destiny. It just, I didn't finish the word me because he says my destiny, but I did not do it with an accent. I just did it with an apostrophe. <laughs> um, and it's, then we, then we get our fucking video game sequence. Like, this whole fucking thing feels like a fucking video game. Like, ball fights, man. Green, like, select your character, ball bob or green glove guy. Like, and then they just, like, punch, 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 power punch, power punch. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. Uh-huh. It, it's very silly. Like, um, I, I, remember, I remember the night this premiered. Paul F. Tompkins tweeted some shit about, like, like just posted, like, you guys, like, like, as this was happening, like he was like live tweeting this. Oh, really? Like to some extent, not like frequently, but a few moments. Like he was clearly watching this when it first aired. Uh. And I remember like right after this scene happened, he goes, do you guys remember Mad, Mad Balls? And like posted a link to Mad Balls, which were like these squishy. 
Oh, and they had mean faces with on mean them. mean faces on them, and you, like, threw them at things and whatever. And that, that was, the, was the sum total of toys in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and like, that's all it was. Thing you can and it was just friends. like, while this was happening, this... And he, I don't think he said like, oh, this scene in Twin Peaks reminds me of, it was just like, do you guys remember Mad Balls? <laughs> While this Bob ball is just floating around. And I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I remember that pretty vividly as being like a great bit. That's good. But yeah, Mad, and, and also at the same time being like, fuck yeah, Mad Balls. I love <laughs> Mad Balls. Don't know why I loved Mad Balls. They were literally just balls with stupid, scary faces on them. We are very easily entertained. But yeah, but that's but that's what this scene is basically. So Bob is vanquished by Freddy. Yeah, and his they glove. just a few fights. He punches him down into the floor, and then, comes back out, and then at one point pew, punches pew, pew, him, pew, and he pew. like breaks apart into little pieces, and that's it. Yep. We we've spent thirty fucking years. Being like terrified of Bob. He just needed a good punch and in the face. Took a guy with a good punchy hand to just eliminate him. He's kick puncher. He punches with the power of kicks. <laughs> That's a community <laughs> I, reference. I know. Okay, I, know, I wasn't I know. sure if you got that. that. So Freddy's punched him. Mister C's laying on the floor. Uh, Cooper walks over and he has the ring, the owl cave ring. Mm-hmm. Puts it on the doppelganger's hand, who or on his finger, I guess, and then disappears. The Cooper, uh, excuse me, Mr. C yeah, disappears. Like, slowly dissolves away. Yeah. yeah. And again, every one of these effects looks like it's either from 1992 or, like, a 12-year-old did it on their, like, MacBook. Like what? What do you mean? Which effects? In particular, are you? Like, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm specifically thinking about like when Mr. C disappears. It just looks so shitty. It just looks <laughs> like a really lo-fi special effect, which doesn't bother me. It's just an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the ring reaches the Black Lodge, um, and Cooper asks for his hotel room key, which Frank has, and and seems baffled by, so confused. Um, and then Gordon gets there. In the best way, like oh, so good that delivery, like those those are the moments we, at this point, seventeen hours in, forgot we missed. Mm-hmm. We missed these moments of like, it's Cooper explaining that like, I met with Major Briggs and he brought in Gordon Cole who. Right on time. Yeah. Like those little like oh these moments are great. I mean honestly, I think that's why it full-on sucks that we don't get Cooper throughout the whole thing is yeah. that like I get the idea of like oh we appreciate it more but we waited 25 fucking years for it like give me 18 hours of just Cooper being Cooper I want it so bad yeah um but that's not my choice to make so the ring reaches back lodge blah, 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 blah. okay Cooper notices NATO as Bobby arrives better late than never I guess I, yeah I don't even remember him being there yeah, yeah, no, he popped up. Yeah. Um, Cooper commented that Bobby's father was aware of the events taking place. Uh, Gordon, Albert, and Tammy arrive, uh, followed by Candy, Mandy, and Sandy. So the gang's all here. Yeah. We've piled all of these people into one room. Um, NATO, with James' help, approaches. But the- it's a lot of new characters and stuff, too, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Like, the thought, I had this thought watching this the first time through, and I remember thinking, like, I bet you somebody's going to die. Maybe Log Lady or whatever. Uh-huh. 
and then there's going to be a big funeral sequence. Oh, and that's how we get everyone together? That's going to bring Audrey in. That's going to bring Bobby in. That's going to bring, like, Big Ed and Norma, mm-hmm. who we hadn't seen yet for several episodes. Like, all these people are going to show up, and there's going to be a big, big Reunion, to-do yeah. of all the, and this is the closest we get to it, mm-hmm. and half these characters are new. Mm-hmm. I'd argue more, but, yeah. Um <clears throat> So, so yeah, so NATO um, approaches Cooper, um, Bobby, or excuse me, James kind of helps her, um, and her face reveals the lodge before peeling back and revealing Diane. They kiss, and Diane tells Cooper that she remembers everything. Uh, Cooper's... And again, Diane looks like a different fucking Diane. Correct. It's still Laura Dern, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like the Diane we've known this series. The same way, like, I don't know what McLaughlin does as an actor, mm-hmm. but this, his his makeup, his hair, his suit is the same of Dougie Jones or whatever that we've seen this entire sequence, mm-hmm. this entire series. And he doesn't look dead behind the eyes like Dougie did. Mm -hmm. There's something about him that looks different. Mm -hmm. Granted, Diane's makeup is different, and she's she's got the red hair with the black and white alternating fingernails, Uh which just makes her look like the fucking red room. Um, and there's things like that that physically make her look different, but like it's just wild. Yeah, it's just quite a yeah, and the an what, accomplishment for these actors. Yeah, and the so wardrobe, good. makeup, direction, Everybody, like it, it's really yeah. truly well done. Like I legitimately forgot many times throughout this series that like, oh yeah, Kyle MacLachlan is playing all these fucking mm-hmm, characters. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Um, yeah, and I honestly, when I've seen this before, I don't think it even. I even clocked that NATO was Diane the whole time. Like I didn't. I mean, that's a different actress. Like that's not. Oh, of course. That's not like. Of course. course. Okay. But like, just oh, okay. That's who this character has been. Like my head just skimmed over it. Well, I still, I still struggle with that. I don't understand how how. Yeah, that's that correlation takes place. How is this entity Diane? I have no idea. I don't, I, yeah, I, I, because we know the Diane that we knew was a Tulpa, but we see Cooper, all the various Coopers come out, but they all look like fucking Kyle McLaughlin. Mm -hmm. I don't understand exactly how we get NATO as Diane. Is Diane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Um, and it's worth noting through this whole scene, we have Cooper or Common Glockman's face superimposed it, it over. It disappears it. sometimes. Yeah, it fades in and out. Yeah, but it's mostly there the entire time, and it's just a close up. It's it's a moving image. Mm-hmm. The 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 lips touch a little bit from time to time, mm-hmm. and I think breathing. there's a, yeah, like the, it's it's a yeah, it's. It's not just like a still shot or whatever, but I would argue it's like probably slowed down. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so after Diane says that she remembers everything, um, Cooper's superimposed face says, "We live inside a dream." 
Yeah. I don't know what that means. It means, like, if you think about where we live, uh-huh. and you think about the inside of a dream. Uh-huh. Same. Those are the same. Oh, okay. Like, that's oh that's the location. This is why we keep you around, because you give these insights yeah. uh-huh. about David Lynch uh-huh. that nobody else knows. Um. <clears throat> so the room darkens, Cooper Day and Gordon. But, but this, is, this is a reference back to the Monica Bellucci dream. We live inside a dream, but who is the dreamer? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, who's we? Like, that character's not actually there. Right. So who's saying that? Are they... What? Who's we? Right. Like, if you break down that statement, we live inside a dream, who... First, first question, who the fuck is we? Uh-huh. What do you mean by live? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inside a dream is in and of itself pretty self-explanatory, but as much as that, whose dream? Yeah, who's the dreamer? Who's the dreamer? Like, it's a loaded fucking statement, mm-hmm. and it asks more questions than it answers. Sure. Um. So, the room darkens. Cooper Day and Gordon walk through darkness. Um, they walk through the Great Northern uh, Hotel furnace room. Okay, so before we go, that like it. This this is the part I was talking about. It glosses over Cooper acknowledging everybody. Oh, and yeah. Cooper has his little monologue to the crowd of, I basically, this guy knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Major Briggs told him about this. He told him he'd be there. The fact that he knew about the, the hotel room key and, and, and Truman was baffled by it. Like, mm-hmm. he told me you'd have it. I thought it would be Harry, but you have it. Mm-hmm. He, this is all going according to plan thus far. Sure. And the this was the plan on how to vanquish Bob. Mm-hmm. I've never used the word vanquish so much in my entire so life. So many but times. But it's the only fitting word yeah, I feel works. like. <laughs> um, Destroyed? Yeah. No, vanquish but, is good. But it's, yeah, all of this is leading, like, all of this so far is the plan. And it is successful, it seems like. Uh-huh. And then he this is where he has that exchange with Hawk where he says some things are going to change. I hope I see you all again, mm-hmm. which leads, you know, to I'm going somewhere. Right, and I may not come back. And this is the part where it seems like major breaks new up until now. Mm. And now we're going off the board. Mm. Now we're going into uncharted territory. Right. But at at this point, Major Briggs knew all this, mm-hmm. and Cooper fulfilled what Major Briggs knew, according to exactly what Major Briggs knew was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And now, Cooper is going into some other location to perform some mission on his own, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um. So Cooper, Diane, and Gordon are walking. They end up in the Great Northern Hotel furnace room. They're following the sound that we've heard. Uh-huh. Um, they reach a door. And that 315 room key works. Mm-hmm. They reach a door. For reasons I don't understand. But that that seems like the kind of thing that's dream logic shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Key lock works. Yeah. You know, like I have a key. Yeah, but this was a key to like a fucking room. Yeah, to like a thirty jail years cell. ago. Yeah. Like that's why would that work? But oh, sure. it does. Right. Like 
and now I don't know I don't know when it happened, but I noticed at this point he's got his fucking FBI lapel pin back. Mm-hmm. We live inside a dream. Who's the dreamer? It really comes down to that because there's some major fucking dream logic stuff happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, Cooper advises the other two not to follow him. He enters the door and he meets Mike. Um, Mike once again recites... In some great shots of them just stepping out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's very good. Um, Mike recites the firewalk with me poem. It says chant. I've never heard it referred to as a chant, but what the fire walk with me poem? Yeah. What do you what chant? What do you mean? Mike recites the fire walk with me chant. Oh. Um. And they are transformed because like I thought you were referencing because there's been some back and forth about is it uh, through the darker future past the magician longs to see one chants out. Between two worlds, firewalk with me. Is it C H A N C E? Yes. C H A N T S. No. No. I don't think so. Why? One chance out doesn't mean any. Those aren't words that work. I one one chance <sighs> out. One makes this chant. Firewalk with me. One says that chant. That seems like it makes sense. Um, I think that it is more poetry grammar. One but chance what, out. Is well, what is what is then? One chance to get out. You have one chance to get out. Oh, interesting. Because I've never, like, I've never been able to make sense of that statement with it being A N C E. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so they're. Tr- I, I, I'm okay. sorry, I don't have any. Oh, I just you you had a very different opinion of what it was, and so oh, it just. Chance is a more frequently used word, I and mean, we can look, we can verify. Is it's, it chance I've or seen chance? both. I've seen both oh, in like even in script. I've seen both. So um, I'm, I like I'm just curious of what you've always heard or thought it I've meant. I've always thought one. I mean, I haven't put a ton of thought into it. Um. So Mike and Cooper are transported to the convenience store. Um, they reach the Dutchman's. They meet with Jeffries to discuss the date, February 23rd, 1989, which is... The day Laura is murdered. Day is murdered. It's not the day that Cooper gets to town. That's February 24th. Got it. Yeah. Um, he? Who's he? Oh, Jeffries. So they're talking to Jeffries in the form of this giant human-sized mm-hmm. tea kettle or something. Um, he gives him instructions to find Judy and out of the steam an owl cave symbol turns into two diamonds and then into an eight and Cooper is transported out less of an eight more of an infinity I see it but yeah I feel like it passes through an infinity and well, then it ends up looking very much like an eight it looks like well I, I say the other way around because it, it, it looks like an eight but then when there's a dot when he's looking for the date then there's a dot that appears in the middle of that eight and he says, ah, there it is. Oh. Because he's fucking. looking through infinity to find a specific date and time. Oh, gotcha. As oh, okay. in as in Philip Jeffries has gone beyond a human timeline. Right. And can go anywhere he wants in time and space. Uh-huh. And has found this particular time and date. And I can take you there. And so I think the eight is 
A, it's the room number that they're in. Mm. B, it's a moment in time in in, in the infinite time. Mm-hmm. He's pinpointed a moment. Mm-hmm. In what fucking timeline? We don't know. Right. But he's going to try to take Cooper to the day Laura died. Yeah, and it makes sense that for Cooper as like an FBI agent, he was only brought in to solve her murder. But if he had his druthers, if he really could do what he wanted to do, he would prevent mm-hmm. any of these crimes from happening mm-hmm. as opposed to just solving them and bringing the person to justice. Um, so we cut back to the Palmer house. Excuse me, where Laura... Uh, so we cut back to the Palmer house. This is the night of Laura's death. Um, she's leaving her home. She hops up on uh, James, gets in the back of James' motorcycle uh, while Leland is watching. Um, and this is straight up footage from yes, Firewalk. Firewalk with me, shifted to black and white. Right. Uh, Cooper is transported uh, nearby. And when Cooper is transported nearby Laura and James, and when he, when Laura spots. Cooper, she screams. Which is great. That like some of this is like (laughs) so we're talking about how, oh my god, we have so much to answer for going into this two hour finale. And the first ten minutes is a giant exposition dump, and then we get ten minutes of existing footage from Firewalk with (laughs) me. Like what the fuck is happening? It's a lot and it takes its time. Yeah. Oh, they they show the entire drive up, Mm -hmm. they show like all of it. But I, it's always been a weird moment in Firewalk with me because she stops, sees something, uh-huh. screams. James looks back and is like, there's nothing fucking there. What's your deal? Right. And it's just part of her spastic, I'm high as fuck right. moment, you know. And the fact that she actually sees something there and it's Agent fucking Cooper yeah. is wild. Yeah. It's an interesting. And fantastic. Oh, it's such a. A satisfying piece of the puzzle to fall in the place. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. It, it's and good you, like you gotta wonder, like, was this thought there in 1992? No. Like, I would think not. Why? What the fuck do I know? Lynch, Lynch, Lynch directed her to look somewhere, see something, and scream at it. But how many instances are there throughout the last 50 episodes of Twin Peaks are there of somebody reacting to something that we don't see and we never find out what it is? Like fucking Sarah Palmer, every time we see her, she like sees something and screams. And like, yeah. usually we do not get the satisfaction. But these are, of like, but oh, these are all the breadcrumbs that, these are all the breadcrumbs that Lynch leaves himself to like. Of course. I, and I think it's a, yeah. an interesting way to tell a story because he clearly leaves leaves breadcrumbs, but... If he wants to go back to it, he will. If not, that's sure. okay. Like, it, it all still works if it's yeah. if we don't know, because everything's mysterious as fuck. Yeah. Um, so James is starting to take her home. She jumps off his motorcycle um, and tells him he lo- she loves him and then runs off into the woods. Like, she is fully coked out. Oh, yeah. Um, Leo, Ronette, and Jacques wait for Laura, but she encounters Cooper recognizing him from a dream he reaches out to her and she goes to him in a in a strange way i mean everything about this is strange well but like the things i notice are a 
his high ground position as though to like I like it's putting himself in this like godlike position. Okay. And then when he reaches out to her, his hand is borderline back of hand up or handshake position. Uh-huh. Kind of like as opposed to like palm up like as a, as a, as opposed to being palm up inviting. Uh-huh come with me and I can help you. Mm-hmm. It's a delivery that seems I'm going to take you to where you need to go. It's th- and this is where I think this gets sad is at this point coked out or not, Laura has decided as we know by her last diary ent- entry of tonight is the night that I die. Mm-hmm. We know that she has a plan for herself to let her life expire. And by doing so, Bob cannot get in, Uh which is what he's wanted this entire time. Mm -hmm. Cooper then decides to save this person's life. Laura's life. Laura. But it doesn't seem like it's for Laura. Oh, it's it's for Cooper, mm-hmm. and his his placement, his high ground position, and his hand placement. The way he reaches out is like it's basically a handshake, slightly tilted, mm-hmm. with with back of hand up. Which to me is like if I'm a fancy lady in the 19th century and I'm reaching for a gentleman's hand, that's how I would reach out because he would. Because then they would you like take their hand instead of shake, if that makes sense. So like, reach out to my hand. So if I'm doing this, this is a very like yeah. feminine way to. And he's the man is palm up. Right, exactly. That's what, and yes. he's not that. Right, that's exactly what which I'm is it's to like, say. It's a weird... This isn't. The, I'm not. I'm not inviting you. I'm telling you. You need to come with me, and I'm going to take you home. Okay. The problem is. We've learned her home is not, not a good place for her. Right. And it's, it's, this to me is a, like, like the way Firewalk with me ends with her, she dies, yes, and it's tragic. But she died on her own terms, mm-hmm. and she broke free from this life that she was living. And she broke the cycle of Bob. Right. She broke the cycle of abuse, mm-hmm. which who knows how long that's been happening. Of course. Generationally, I mean. Mm-hmm. But Cooper now wants to bring her, quote unquote, home. And what is home? Where has she ever been safe? Ex- she's never been safe. Uh-huh. And so to her, home is... The worst place she could go. Is... Exactly. Yeah, she's more safe in these and woods Cooper's in the middle of the gonna night. And Cooper's going to fucking take her there. Huh. And it's terrible. And do you think that's his deep misunderstanding of what happened? Absolutely. And what Bob is? Okay. Absolutely. It's it's his own personal, like, white knight complex. Mm, interesting. I need to, like, it's... I couldn't save Caroline. Uh-huh. I couldn't save, you know, whomever else... I couldn't, you know, I couldn't save Annie. I I can save Laura. 
but it comes from a fundamental misunderstanding of the victim. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I point. feel like it's a it's a you know it's a metaphor for all of us in this world is that everybody thinks they know what the fuck is best for somebody, mm-hmm. but they don't. Mm-hmm. And this abuse and trauma and incest and all of this shit that was happening to her, like, don't fucking take her back there. Yeah. That's not what's fucking best for her. She needs to leave. No, dying isn't necessarily what's best for her, but her making the choice for herself and getting away the best she knows how is what's best for her. Sure. And who the fuck are you to decide this? Agent fucking Cooper. Yeah, who just like, fucking got back to Agent Cooper himself. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much in this entire series about what home means mm-hmm. and about how, like, the double R has become an adopted home for people and Twin Peaks was Cooper's kind of adopted home. And, like, you know, home is, you know, what you choose to make your home. Mm-hmm. And... And Cooper just doesn't, just fundamentally doesn't get that about Laura Palmer. Yeah. And I think it comes from the fact that he never actually knew Laura Palmer. Yep. It's, it's, you come in after the fact and can tell your stories about what you think happened, but you don't. You've never met her. You don't know her. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Laura's body, <clears throat> so she takes his hand, and as this happens, we kind of are, are thrust back to the pilot episode of the very first season of Twin mm-hmm. Peaks. We see her body in, on the beach in front of their yeah, vlog. It's, and it, it's the same opening sequence. We get Josie again, yeah, briefly. Josie, we get... Um, we get uh, Jack Nance and Pete, Pete Martell getting ready to go out and go fishing the we way we Catherine. know he does. We skip the lonesome foghorn whistle blows or whatever. Uh-huh. We skip that line, but we see that sequence of him walking. He just never stops to look back at the body because it's not there. It's we not see there. it flicker out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut back to the Palmer house. Um, we're looking at the empty living room. Where and we it's, see this is the current Palmer current, house. Yes, yeah. so the 2017 Palmer mm-hmm. house. So we see a bottle of vodka. Yeah, this same room we've seen. Shit ton of like we see Laura's homecoming picture. Yeah, um, and we just hear this wailing from off camera. It's horrible noise. It's yeah. It's it really the things like that are things that genuinely affect me in a way that I'm yeah. I don't I can't deal well with like those like horrible sounds. Those like just somebody wailing in grief Mm -hmm. is something that just shakes me, and I am very uncomfortable with it. Um, so she appears back in frame and then she grabs Laura's homecoming picture and just starts smashing it, throws it on the ground and smashing mm-hmm. it with a glass bottle, just relentlessly mm-hmm. going after it. But the picture never breaks. And that's important to note. The glass breaks. The, the f- photograph does the not. The photograph of Laura Palmer uh-huh. never breaks. As if to say in every timeline and in every scenario, this idea of Laura because Laura has always been represented whether you're talking about an actual person of Laura or this idea of Laura this Mm -hmm. supernatural Laura 
has always been represented by this homecoming photo. And you can't get away from that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, like, no matter how much she just destroys everything around her, you can't. You, Laura is too important. Mm -hmm. And she, you, you, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. And it's, this scene is incredible. I feel like you could do like entire essays and articles and stuff just about this scene. Mm-hmm. And there's so little that happens in it. F- literally. Te- literally. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it's, the interpretation, it's a heavy scene. There's so many. Yeah. There's so many interpretations you can make from this scene. And mm-hmm. I, well, I love it. I mean, do you have any thoughts or what's your take on all of it? No, I mean, I, uh, I think there is something about anger and grief and where you place the blame of your grief and which is fundamentally illogical. She can't be mad at her daughter for being murdered, but that is the root of everything that went lo- wrong in her life is her daughter died, her husband was a monster, and now she has nothing. Meanwhile, so is she. But she's, while she's the conduit I don't think she's aware that she's the bearer of evil and how could she I mean we're, this is the same debate we had about Leland there's, she has not she hasn't had like blackout moments and she wakes up and her daughter is dead or her daughter has been raped she, oh that's what happens every single time that happened to Laura that's part of the no, part sorry, of Leland it, it, drugging her I'm sorry to be clear she is not physically responsible for the abuse that is going on in the house. I do not know. I wonder if it has to do with the whole I wish I'd never been born thing because the only reason that Leland is there to is there to abuse and rape their daughter is because Sarah exists. And sure. if Sarah never exists, it's See, never I, I took this scene less about grief and more about guilt. I think I think grief, anger, and guilt are all parts of the same sure. emotion. But I, I feel like this uh, this whole thing felt like she she's absolutely blaming herself for everything that happened. But Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I was saying, but we approached it from different ways. But at the same time, what happened? What do you mean? Because if Cooper successfully just did what we just watched him do, mm. Laura's still alive. Presumably, I mean, she I mean, could have died th- anywhere in that twenty-five year span. Yeah, I, but I, I, but what we know about Sarah Palmer and Leland Palmer and the murder of their daughter is related to Judy and Bob and Leland and Sarah murdering that child. If that never happens, what is she guilty about? What is she grieving about? What's going on there? So then, we, we, I would counter that with. Like you, so embarrassed that you're gonna bring up Final Destination twice in one episode. But Laura was always going to die, and so whether or not she died in those woods that day at the hands of her father, or another time at the hands at the hands of her father, or in a other unrelated incident, or she just fucking disappeared. I think there. I think what Lynch is trying to tell us is that you can change whatever you want and the universe is going to self-correct. It's like time travel theory, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, no matter what you do, 
we have to get to the present that sent, ultimately sent you back. So no matter what you who you kill, the same things still fall in place. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It just... I'm if curious pre- about when and how. Like, what is the... Are these just alternate timelines, too? Like, what timeline are we in when yeah. this happens? I mean, I think the alternate timeline theory is interesting because... If if we say, okay, what happened with Cooper and Laura at the end of this episode is real, in how, whatever the fuck real means in this. Sure. If he actually saved Laura's life, we still had the 30 intervening years. And maybe, maybe like, wherever he brought her, she still died. It just wasn't, she didn't die in the specific way that she died the other time. Like, maybe she was always fated to die that night. And whether or not Cooper, quote-unquote, rescued her from that situation that she was in with James, where she was having a coke freak out in the middle of the woods, he tried to save her, and instead she was hit by a car or murdered by somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, my guess would be she had to die that night. But that... That that specific night. But then didn't wash up on shore. So she still died. Right. Okay. That's what I would think. Okay. Because that makes sense that we don't see her not die. We Uh just see her not wash up on shore. Correct. Um, But that's my thought. I mean, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on, but I think it's supportable. Sure, 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 sure. It's just, yeah, it's the whole thing is so... Also, like... Cooper has this... So we see her not show up on the shore. So presumably she didn't die, at least in the way that we knew. Well, even if she did, she didn't end up getting wrapped in plastic. Sure, and exactly. So we don't see that. So that doesn't happen. But she disappears when Cooper's leading her through the woods. So she doesn't go wherever Cooper's trying to take her. She gets disappeared. Well, she doesn't. He, she still dies he's, there. He's a... First of all, he's dragging her ass. Mm. Like, she's... Yeah. They're not walking together. Right. She's at He's his, asserting control over her. Absolutely. And then she, they're walking, and then she's just suddenly not there. Where mm. does she go? Is... Does she get... Is, is it saying... Is that a message to Cooper that this is futile? That's I'm, I'm all, no, no matter how often you try to do this, I have to die. I think so. So, so yeah, that's the end of it. Is Cooper's leading Laura through the woods uh, toward the portal at uh, Blue Blue Pen Mountain. Um, she disappears, and he hears her scream. And then we go back, and we see you also hear that weird like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Noise, which I. Don't know exactly what that means, but mm-hmm. it's yeah, I don't a either. sound we've heard a handful of times. Uh-huh. Um, and then we see, for the first time in years, Julie Cruz. Yay. Um, With a completely blacked out backup band. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's performing As the World Spins. Another person aged beautifully. I think she has done some like vocal training in the intervening years because she sounds um, like she always had a beautiful voice, but like her technique is really good. Hmm. Um, and that's the end. So we've got one episode to go. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, and, but, but... F- the next episode introduces a lot of new stuff, mm-hmm. surprisingly. Um, the bold move for a finale. <laughs> right, right. 
it's 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 almost an epilogue for most of the episode. Um, so really and truly, this is more or less our Twin Peaks finale. Where do we stand? Where do we feel like not like none of the main questions we want answered get answered. None of like we're in an entirely different place. It's is it a happy ending? Is it a sad ending? Is it a? That's. I mean, I'd be hard pressed to find a happy ending. I think. I mean, there are happy things I mean, that happen. It seems Laura fucking Palmer doesn't die. That seems like a happy ending, right? Yeah, in and but, of itself. Uh, yes, but cutting back to present day, Sarah Palmer and she, her situation has not changed. Makes me think that ultimately nothing really changed. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I, I think I've explained a lot what I think already, <laughs> but like it's in what I find really, really fascinating is this shift that this third season has given us about. Season one and two and Firewalk With Me is a Laura story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Agent Cooper is our peephole into that story. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a Cooper story. And and we're now seeing, we're not, Cooper's not a window to Laura's story anymore. Mm-hmm. Cooper's an active player. And it's. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm just playing. I, Cooper, like Cooper's an active player in a way that's diminishing Laura's story. Oh. I think. Interesting. Like Cooper is even good. Cooper, as we know him, is kind of a bad guy. He keeps trying, like... I think like, bad guy is like a lot. A I think ba- well-intentioned. Yes, but, like, in the way that, like... In the way that we have beef with cops now, in general, they're, nobody's willing to fucking consider this person's scenario. It's this about... This person being a victim? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's about me and how I view the situation. Uh-huh. And Cooper says... If I can make you not alive and I can take you back home, everything is a-okay. Yeah. No! So you think it's like a naivete? Oh, absolutely. But like... Which is odd because Cooper has seen shit, so it's odd to describe him as naive. I guess optimistic is more what I would say than naive. Anyway. But he's... But we've learned this about him throughout the series that he's... This white, he has this white knight, you know, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, complex, complex, I guess. Yeah, like he is constantly trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't want to solve a crime, he wants to undo the crime. Yeah, and that's not possible. Mm-hmm. It's especially when. And I know you and I disagreed on this to some extent, but the end of Fire Walk With Me is someone who 
has been, you know, it's Laura, someone who has been traumatized and abused her whole life and finally puts a fucking foot down and says, even if it means losing my life, I'm making my own path. I'm making my own choice. For the first time in my life, I'm making a choice. And this evil entity, this Bob, whether it's real or just uh, metaphorical, whatever, mm-hmm. you, you, you can't get in me. You can't have me. Right. I'm making a choice, and I will let you kill me before you think. And there, and I died, but I also won. Yeah, I and, made the choice. And it, and there's something reassuring about that. Mm-hmm. So to undo the only choice Laura has ever made for herself interesting makes him kind of a bad guy I still like not a but he's misguided yeah from I, his, I feel like bad guy is such a heavy it is and it speaks to intention and I don't think his intention was bad sure I but I think that's that's the point yeah. is that it's and this is where we are in the world is with with dealing with trauma and and abuse and things like that is it's not your intent like it's easy to say this guy was the bad guy this sure. guy was the, but like well everyone's a hero of their own story right exactly and it's and when you center cooper instead of centering laura then all of a sudden right you're getting... but if you if you shift your focus and say this is a laura's story and mm-hmm. you look at it solely through laura's eyes mm-hmm. He's trying to take her back to the worst fucking place in the world. Yeah. He's a bad guy. He's mm-hmm. an enabler, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. And like, just keeping me, like, it's the way we shuffle around pedophile priests. Mm-hmm. It's the way we, you know, like, oh, well, this is what's, be- like, this system knows what's best for this fucking kid. No, it fucking doesn't. Right. Like, it's that shit. And it's, it it puts a spin on Cooper, mm-hmm. and it's I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, cool. That's all. I mean, I I feel like I I don't have I don't know I don't have strong opinion. I I think it is to me. It's well, what, cool. <laughs> I no, just, I, I I just don't. Uh, I just think the whole thing is more about. No, I don't think that Cooper is necessarily framed as, quote, the bad guy. But I think there is something about how um, uh, no matter no matter what you try to do, some things are just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there isn't much you can do. Like It, it feels like a very like predetermination kind of mm-hmm. mindset of... These certain dominoes have to fall for the story, whatever that story means, whether it's the world or whether it's this person or, or whatever. Those dominoes have to fall to move this narrative forward. And so... And someone e- has to suck on those dominoes. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's enough no. of that. Um, no, but for real, like, I, like I, f- I feel like even though Laura Palmer, as Laura Palmer, outside of Fire Walk with me, is barely in this series. Mm-hmm. We're constantly reminded that this is Laura's story. Mm-hmm. And it's 
you know, Laura is the one is, is a statement that comes up a lot. Like, I think it's, it's an interesting approach and it's a, it's a fascinating way to tell a story of this is, this is the victim. Like, cause it's so much of like, we get into victim blaming and the world we live in and stuff. And it's because everything is approached from a reactive standpoint and he's trying to tell a story from a dead person. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing, yeah. I think. And it's fascinating and it's a wonderful way to tell a story because it's not been done. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's really, really interesting that we end up in this place that our can do no wrong hero might not be that. Uh And it's, and and you're taking away the one thing that Laura had, which was her, 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 yeah, her great word, her agency and her choice to do Mm -hmm. what she chose to do. Cause she wrote it in her diary. Tonight is the night I die. She, planned it yeah she knew it was going to happen and it was the one thing that this poor girl had and in trying to do the right thing you strip that from her mm-hmm. and ugh, yeah it's brutal but lucy <laughs> killed mr c so there's some good shit yeah. i don't know it's wild yeah it's a lot um, well, I don't have anything else to say. Do you? you I, like I really, really like. I, I think we will definitely. The next episode is some interesting stuff. It's some new stuff. It's some stuff that we'll talk about as far as the finale goes. But it's also, I would imagine the recap is short because there's a lot of like, oh, there's a long sequence where they drive in a car for a while sure. and shit like that. So. Next week will obviously be a recap of the episode as well as a recap of the season and the Mm -hmm. series. And that'll get into, you know, this whole idea of home and the importance of home and what does home mean and why would you take somebody home and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. But I still, I, I struggle with, and it depends on the mood I'm in, even when I watch it with with the ending of this series. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. Up. Have I ever ended an episode without? I don't know. With that being my my uh, last I, word, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that is a frequent. Uh, I don't know. Frequent tagline of this show. <laughs> I don't know, man. Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. Hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.